Hello and welcome once again to Thomas Tales on the Tall Guy with the Short Stories podcast. This week I don't have much in the way of announcements, but I kind of have to tell you that I'm found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. One other thing I would like to add is it has been brought to my attention that a lot of people listen to podcasts on YouTube. So, the question is, if I put my show on YouTube, would you guys want to see my face as I read? You're going to have to comment. You're going to have to send me emails. i got to have your feedback on this one. I'm not just going to go ahead and make that decision. Alrighty, as I said, announcement's over. Let's get into the story, shall we? Oh, by the way, there is something in this episode that does not belong. If you can spot it, definitely comment. I put a little Easter egg in there for you today, guys. When last we left Thomas and his two friends, Brandon and Will, you know, the baker's kids, we had found them leaving Thomas's jailhouse. They were on their way to the bakery. They tried to keep quiet so that Thomas wouldn't wake up, but he was too excited to be there and help them. So, it was very quiet at that time in the morning. It was cool without being cold, and a fitful breeze tousled their hair and clothes periodically. The air smelled like early morning a scent that folks don't know exists until they experience it for themselves. As they walked toward the bakery, they heard the yowl of a tomcat wrapping up his nightly duties, and a few dogs, who had heard the cat and raised their ears, set up a few barks and growls in the darkness. Other than that, it was very still and quite peaceful this early in the morning. Arriving at the bakery, Brandon and Will entered the door, and it seemed they began moving with an automatic grace. This was their home, after all, and their familiarity showed as they made for the kitchens. After the scene involving Greg, and the subsequent departure of both the baker's sons, there was a mess to clean up. Diners from yesterday had left the remains of their breakfasts to be cleaned up by others, and as no one had remained behind, save the pained baker himself, there was no one to tidy up the place. Brandon began writing chairs and collecting the smaller bits of the previous morning's breakfast detrius. Will headed straight for the oven and began to kindle a fire to life in the great hearth. Thomas helped Brand clean and after a few moments said, Brand, I can clean and tidy this mess. Why don't you begin preparing for breakfast, eh? The big lad nodded gratefully at Thomas and headed into the kitchens with his brother. Thomas could hear them start to clean in the kitchens, and busied himself with making the dining area look spotless. He consolidated all the leftover food debris first off, and removed it from the dining room. There was a refuse cart behind the bakery, and the small blacksmith deposited all the perishable items there. He then began to straighten the furniture, and after asking the brothers to provide clean water and a dish rag, he set about wiping the tables down dutifully. In the kitchens, while Will busied himself, Brandon cleaned the preparation area, which consisted of a long plank of wood that had been sanded down to provide a suitable surface for cutting, mixing, rolling, and kneading. The plank was long enough for both brothers to set about their own prep work side by side without being cramped. Brand began wiping the plank down and removing anything that had been left from yesterday. Thankfully, 
the brothers were accustomed to keeping this area as clean as possible at any given moment, so there wasn't much work to be done here. Thomas came into the kitchens after he had finished with the dining room and was about to ask if there was anything else he could do to help, when Will spoke up. Brand, Thomas, come over here a bit. I, I want to show you something. The two boys made their way over to Will, who was smiling. He had built up a small mound of kindling around what appeared to be a few strips of birch bark and some dry leaves. There were small twigs leaning directly against the bark and leaves, and atop them larger scraps of wood, maybe finger-sized and about four to six inches long. Atop the finger-sized bits, he had built what looked like a small teepee out of logs that had been split down several times. He had packed the wood around the bark and leaves so that the air would move easily through the larger bits and twigs, but there was no access point from which to insert a burning coal or flame. You better watch your fingers when you light that, Will, said Thomas, but he waited around to watch. Even seeing it all day while working in the smithy, the boy had an innate fascination with flames. It seemed Bran did too because he had come close and was waiting on Will to ignite his fire. Will smiled very big and looked between his brother and Thomas. You'd think so, wouldn't you? He answered Thomas. And then he bent down and placed his closed fists on either side of the would-be fire, with the kindling lying directly in the middle of his closed hands. He then closed his eyes, and after a few moments began to breathe a bit heavier, sweat beaded on his forehead. Finally, when the spell he was crafting had made him feel as though he couldn't hold it in any longer, he released it with a whispered word, and suddenly a flame danced within the pile of wood and bark and leaves. Will felt a wave of exhaustion sweep over him, and he was glad his arms were already outstretched to steady him. Then he opened his eyes and looked first to his brother, then to Thomas. The other boys had wonderment written all over their faces as plain as day. Will, said Bran, what? How? and then he receded into silence as the flames licked up the bark and leaves, making their hungry way toward the larger bits of kindling. Thomas was smiling so hard it almost began to ache. Look at that, he said. How long have you been holding that little skill? And clapped Will on the back. Will smiled broadly and explained, Not long. I only just tried for the first time yesterday, and this is a much better result than my first try. Brandon placed his larger hand on his brother's shoulder and, beaming, said, Will, this is amazing. The boys had rarely seen magic before, but they had heard about it. Sometimes a traveling mage would come to town and try to sell his magical elixirs, and sometimes a magician would come through with his own brand of magic, but there wasn't a single person in town who could do something like this and the boys were amazed by what Will had shown them. Tom and Brand congratulated Will and started asking questions, but Will seemed reluctant to answer, and after a moment, he began feeding the fire more wood and readying the different things he would need to make the sweetbreads and rolls and such. The other two boys were disappointed, 
but when they realized there was more work to be done, they figured they could ask questions later. Thomas looked outside from time to time to make sure he wouldn't be late for Smith. As soon as he saw light touch the horizon, he called to the brothers. All right, lads, I've got to go. Smith will be expecting me before too long. I'll see you at lunch, I shouldn't wonder. And he began making his way to the door. Tom, Brand, said Will. Please, don't, don't tell anyone about this. I, I feel like it's best kept between us. Don't even tell the Smith. Please? The other two boys traded a look, and they readily agreed to keep Will's magic a secret. And with that, Thomas left for the smithy. When Thomas arrived, Smith was already working, as usual. Thomas opened the door and strode inside. He began putting on his leather apron and hat, as well as the spats the smith had given him. These made sure the sparks that jumped and danced around the smithy didn't end up in his boots. As he donned the protective gear, the smith asked him, No trouble last night, Tom? Thomas replied, Not a lick of trouble, smith. As a matter of fact, we ate well, got to sleep, and this morning I went to help them open the bakery. They've got it well in hand, I think. That's good to hear, lad. The baker wasn't there. He'd cleared out, eh? Oh, we didn't see hide nor hair of old Greg. I'm guessing we've got you to thank for that. After Thomas asked the question, he studied Smith carefully, hoping that the big man would give away some detail of his interaction with the baker. But he may as well have been staring at a stone cliff for all the reaction Smith gave him. The big crafter nodded, but said nothing about his encounter with the baker. Thomas shrugged and began the sharpening process on the knives he hadn't gotten to yesterday. But after a few moments, he remembered he wanted to ask Smith if they could get lunch at the bakery, just to encourage his friends, and to make sure everything was running tip-top. After asking Smith, Thomas added, I'll gladly buy you lunch today, Smith. I'll even deliver it. The big man looked at Tom and smiled. Of course, lad. I'd planned on heading over already, but not until lunch. We've got to get these blades finished. Thomas turned his attention to his work and began sharpening the blades with a smile on his face. He was awfully glad that Smith was just as interested in his friend's welfare as he was. When lunchtime arrived, Smith told Thomas what he would prefer for lunch, put three silver coins in Thomas's hand, and said, You go on, Tom. I've got to stay here for a while yet, but I'll be along. He then made a gesture that told Tom to be about it, and bent over his work. Thomas left the smithy at a job, and headed straight for the bakery. He was very excited to surprise his friends, even though he'd already told them he'd be coming. He was so focused, he didn't even notice Z following him again. Upon the rooftops and alleys, silently pacing the jogging apprentice, was Z. When he reached the bakery, there weren't many people there. As the bakery was more geared toward breakfasts, the demand for lunch usually went other places. 
and he was glad he'd have the chance to talk to the lads without interrupting their work. There was only one man standing in the bakery when Thomas entered. He was standing at the bar where food and drink were normally served, and he had a sour expression on his face. Tom thought the man's face must have worn this expression often. It had deep lines on either side of his mouth, and the wrinkles around the man's eyes were very pronounced. When the smith's apprentice reached the bar, the man looked at him and said, I'm in line here, boy. Wait your turn. Thomas smiled at the man and answered, No worries, mate. I'll go in the back and see if they can come out to help you. Then he began to walk toward the break in the bar that led to the kitchens, calling to Brandon and Will. Oi, lads, there's a man out here who... Eh! Another sponsor for this episode is Meech's Minis. If you go to Etsy.com and you search in that little search bar up top, Meech's Minis, M-E-A-C-H-S-M-I-N-I-S, one more time, M-E-A-C-H-S-M-I-N-I-S, you will find some work from a true genius. Not only can the man paint minis, he can also modify them. I mean, depending on what you want done. But don't take my word for it. Go on over to Meech's Minis on Etsy.com and take a look at some of the beautiful stuff he's made. This episode has been brought to you by J. Randall Art. That's two L's in Randall, by the way. You can find J. Randall Art on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter underneath that same handle, J. Randall, two L's, Art. Stop by, take a look at some of his stuff, like him a whole lot of times, give him some comments, maybe even commission a piece or two. That'd be pretty cool. Don't forget to mention that the tall guy sent you. I have a confession to make. I love disc golf. There, I said it. If you're like me, and you also like disc golf, why don't you go to evolutiondiscs.com. Upon your checkout, enter the code CDS for 10% off. They've got all the molds you're looking for. They've got bags. They've got powder bags. They've got range finders. They've got (laughs) really anything. Go ahead and give them a look. Evolutiondiscs.com. Don't forget to use code CDS for 10% off at checkout. stranger's hand had closed around Thomas's throat as he was calling out to his friends. Get back here, you little puke! The brute snarled, holding Thomas with a strength the boy couldn't hope to match. He helplessly struggled against the scoundrel's grip, but as the man had begun to lift him by his throat, Thomas's feet could not find purchase upon the ground, and as his small hands grabbed at the hand choking him, he realized that there was no way he could escape from that slowly squeezing grasp. The man then lifted his voice and hollered into the kitchens. Get out here with my money or I'll keep squeezing his throat! Brand arrived at the door and his face darkened into a scowl. A silver piece fell from his hands as he tightened them into fists. The larger boy 
rolled a step forward, and Tom could see there wouldn't be much getting through to Brand. Once his blood was up, Brandon stopped thinking clearly. As he attempted to close the distance with the man holding Thomas, Brandon began a hop that would bring him sliding over the bar. Unfortunately, the man anticipated this and used his other hand to push Brandon forcefully back over the counter. Don't try anything, you dumb kid! Just give me the money! Brand dropped off the edge of the bar and barely caught himself in time. And then, something strange happened. Brand, who was staring daggers at the oaf who held Thomas, flicked his eyes past the thug, and then, just as quickly, stared back at the offending party. The greedy individual who held Thomas then made a noise that sounded like he was trying to shout, but had arrested the noise almost as quickly as he began it. And then, his grip on Tom's neck faltered and relaxed. Thomas dropped to the floor and turned, both to look at whatever Brand had seen and also to aim a vicious kick at the man's knee. His kick connected hard and the man began to crumple. Then. Tom could see what had made Brandon look away for a moment. Z was clinging to the villain's back with her teeth gritted. One arm was over the man's shoulder, gripping his shirt to support her slender frame. The other held a small knife to the man's chin. She hissed as the man went down and jumped off of him and out of reach faster than Thomas would have believed possible. Thomas himself vaulted over the bar to get away from the miscreant and a moment later, Z followed suit. The three children, Thomas, Brandon, and Z, stood on the opposite side of the bar, all of them breathing heavily, and Thomas coughing and heaving in whatever air his lungs would take. The pain in his throat was intense, and he felt parched. The villain slowly began to pick himself up from the floor, hobbling on his damaged knee. He began growling at them, it seemed that he was so angry, he couldn't even speak, and he began moving toward the trio with mischief on his face. At this point, Will emerged from the kitchens, hearing the commotion. Upon seeing the scene in front of him, he seemed to freeze, but a few long moments later, it became evident he had not frozen. The young mage raised his hand, palm out toward the man, his face set in a mask of concentration, sweat standing out upon his forehead. The young mage lifted his face and opened his eyes. They seemed to shine with intensity as he focused them upon the knave who had started the trouble. Will's lips twitched, and a mote of violently orange light, no larger than a walnut, shot from his outstretched hand directly into the chest of the grisly thief, who grunted, Shortly after his eyes rolled back into his head, and, stiff as a board, he toppled backward onto the floorboards of the bakery. Motionless, unconscious, with a stream of drool trickling out of his mouth. They stood around, breathing heavily, staring at their attacker. Then Z, Brand, and Thomas turned their heads slowly to stare slack-jawed at Will. He realized he was being studied a beat later, and his face began to warm, a red flush creeping up his neck and proceeded to cover his whole face. 
Just then, the smith walked in and surveyed the damage around the bar of the bakery. He took in the stranger, his now ruined knee that bent his leg at an odd angle. He took in the tiny prick of blood that shone from the knave's chin. And he took in the four young folks who had valiantly defended each other in the presence of a larger, stronger attacker. His face split into a grin. Are you lot all right? asked the smith, sparing no glance for the unconscious lump they'd made on the floor. The kids nodded in the affirmative, and then Z, agile as a squirrel, zipped over the bar and out the door before Smith or anyone else could try and stop her. Brandon and Thomas began speaking at once, telling Smith what had happened, but as they were both excited, and neither had the presence of mind to keep silent while the other spoke, nothing intelligible could be heard. Will faded back into the kitchens quietly, his legs none too steady. The excitement of this morning, coupled with his use of magic, left him absolutely exhausted and in no mood to recollect the scene. The smith held up both hands to forestall the boys, and they stammered themselves silent. Smith then pointed to Brand and asked, You first. Hold a moment, though. Brandon told about how the man had come into the bakery and demanded silver. For protection from unfortunate happenings, he said. He had gone into the kitchens and grabbed one of the silver that the smith had paid him yesterday, simply to make the man leave. He had every intention of telling the smith later. But for the time being, he just wanted the knave out of the bakery. Smith nodded and told Brandon it was wisely thought through, then looked to Thomas and asked, What about you, Tom? Tell me, lad. And Thomas explained he'd only just walked in and prepared to go in the back to talk with the brothers. When the man grabbed his throat and he had no way of relieving the tension after that. Smith nodded and asked Tom how the man's knee had been injured. Thomas replied, Cause after Z held the knife to his throat, I got loose and decided that if he couldn't walk, he couldn't chase us or run and hide. Is Z that young girl who just bolted out of here? asked the smith. Yes, answered Thomas. She's our friend, and I'm right lucky she is too. The smith nodded his agreement. Will stepped from the kitchens at this moment and looked sheepishly up at the smith. I I'm sorry, smith. I should have told you first off, but and he held out his book of magic. The smith took the book from Will and began leafing through the pages. Boy, the large crafter intoned, this is something I know nothing about, and it seems the head on your shoulder serves you just fine. However, I would keep this between you lot. If word gets out about your skills, there could be trouble. And he handed the book back to Will. Will's eyes began to glisten as he accepted the book back from the smith. No adult had ever told Will he was gifted, or told him his head was a good one, and the praise affected the young mage more than he expected. Thank you, sir. Smith. Smith, for the compliment, and also for keeping my magic a secret. The smith turned his back on the young folk, and as he walked toward the door, he said, what magic? Tom, 
I expect you back at the smithy before too long. Please, don't forget my lunch. Well, holy smokes. We got magic spells, we got knaves trying to steal silver from boys, and we've got Z holding a knife to somebody's throat. <laughs> Little more than I expected. Hopefully you folks enjoyed it. But unfortunately, we are again at the end of the episode. Don't forget to click that follow button, subscribe, give me all those stars you can, and stop in to say hey, give me some feedback on what you think. Hope you have a great week. Thanks again for stopping in to listen to Thomas Tales on the Tall Guy with the Short Stories podcast.